Hello, and welcome to the Austin Art Talk podcast. My name is Scott David Gordon, your host. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and I do hope you're enjoying the interviews I've been sharing. One of my goals is to put out a new episode every week and keep getting better at interviewing and producing the show. I love asking questions, and I love getting to know people. The Austin art community is vast, and there are so many more artists and makers and collectives making great work in many different forms. I'm very much looking forward to meeting and talking with as many of them as I can. Please share any feedback that you have, and if you can figure out how to do it, leave me a rating and review on iTunes. That could help others find the podcast and inspire them to take a chance and give it a try. And if you're listening to this through an app on your phone, be sure to visit austinarttalk.com on your computer to get the full effect of each episode's webpage and to follow the links provided that are relevant to the guests and what we talk about. Bale Creek Allen has chosen to live a beautiful and rich life and live by his own rules. He is a prolific artist with a great work ethic who creates art in a very diverse amount of ways and with many different materials. What a joyous and inspiring interview. He is such a great guy, so fun to talk with, and his laugh is infectious. Do yourself a favor and make a point to visit his gallery and see his work and the work of the amazing artists he exhibits. If you find yourself at Canopy in Austin, which is at 916 Springdale Road, and you're visiting another gallery or grabbing a coffee at Saten, be sure to stop in and see Bale in Building 2, Suite 103. His website is balecreekallengallery.com, where you can see a lot of great photos of his work and of the artists he represents. This interview is a bit longer than usual, but it's definitely worth listening to the whole thing. So here is Bale. Thanks, Bale, for coming on my podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're we're in the in your studio in the back of the gallery, and it is so cool. There's so many things to look at in here. I'm just tripping out on this. The secret hideout. Yeah, no. I've never been back here. I, I I wonder. I've been to a lot of openings here. I don't know. Is this usually open? Man, during the openings, I you know I opened my studio, which is more like a gallery now. Yeah, you know? so right. the gallery. I have the gallery openings, and then I leave the door open and. And it's kind of, it's really nice because I have exposure, you know, people are able to see kind of my own work and whatever mm-hmm. show's going on. Yeah. And it works for me. It works for them. Um, but this room that we're sitting in, I keep locked just because oh, okay. it's a lot of my personal things. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, it, when there's masses in here for some of Oh yeah, that wouldn't, I and you can't, want them you'd have to have someone back here journal, watching. Or, yeah. <laughs> pictures of the kids. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> So I'm wondering if you just meet someone for the first time on the street and they don't know anything about you, what do you, they ask you what you do? Like, how do you, what do you tell them? Uh, Jokingly, I say, I make shit for a living. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like a lot of my artist friends, man, back in the day, we refer to the things we do as making shit. Yeah, right. It's either great shit or (laughs) bad shit. Yeah. (laughs) But um, no, you know, I... um, I tell them I'm an artist, you know, and I work in a wide range of medium. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no real one specific thing I gravitate to. It's, yeah. uh, depends on whatever work I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing, kind of whatever subject matters. Um, You're kind of a renaissance man, I, I feel like. Man, <laughs> you know, I'll take that, you know, because some of, some of my favorite artists are that way. And in, in fact, probably the most 
the biggest influence on my life is probably my own dad. Oh you yeah. Know? Um, and he has been described as that so many mm. times for good reason. So I kind of took after that in realizing that, mm. you know, there's, there's so many ways to look at so many, uh, just in terms of being creative, there's no limitations, you know? So mm. I kind of described it as like the world's my playground. Yeah. And I'm going to tap into whatever it has to offer to say whatever I need to say. Yeah. So I I usually let the work dictate that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I sometimes I'll have some idea that'd be really just crystal clear, like some conceptual idea, and you know I'll execute it, and it'll be real simple in my mind. And then sometimes it'll be a a broader subject that mm-hmm. requires a lot of investigation, long term, you know, project, just yeah, of of conceptually but also just materials Mm -hmm. and so i like the idea i've always been kind of you know like hyper child you know couldn't stay still in class you know it's like made sense that i'm an artist you know because i can i can kind of with my attention deficit you know i can delve into other mediums Mm -hmm. um so if i'm at my studio man i have a drum set handy you know i've got Mm. my notebook handy um, wow. You know, it's like I can sling paint or I can go off and take photographs or I just love the idea of, you know, if, if I kind of want to step away from one thing, I could go into another. And it, it gives you that sense still that you're working and you're creating, yeah. you know, that's a technique that a lot of artists have talked to use. They'll have multiple projects going at the same time and they're just kind of feel like they get stuck on one. They'll just shift over to something else and it really helps yeah further them all at the same time yeah they all feed each other Mm -hmm. and they're they're really it's i look at it all as just one thing it's just i'm making art yeah and it doesn't really matter whether i'm writing a play or playing drums or Mm -hmm. you know sounds so ideal i don't know i mean mean, it sounds like the ideal life to me well it kind of is man i mean the the idea of it is uh, i mean it's the way I live my life is it's this incredible life mm-hmm. because I have all these great experiences and I'm surrounded by really interesting, beautiful people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what I love about making art, man, is every day I come and do whatever the hell I want to do. Yeah. And I absolutely don't have to follow anyone else's rules. Yeah. And I'm not buying into the fact that I do, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes like in art school, you go way back and, you're taught, you know, it's like no matter what you do, I always say you could take like the greatest work of art and put it in front of a review board at any school yeah. and they're going to rip it to shit because that's yeah. their job. Right. You know, and so early on, I was like, all right, you know, I get it. And I was paying attention and, and doing things to uh, that I was told to do and told mm-hmm. not to do. And I think that's also a good learning experience. But at a certain point, you know, I realized early on, luckily, uh, when I decided to drop out of school, in, mm-hmm. in fact, um, I decided, okay, now they're getting in the way. Yeah. Now I want to tap into my own thing. You've learned and what do, you needed to. Yeah, you know, and maybe I didn't learn enough. Maybe I did, but that was my path. And I went off there and it was great to be in an environment surrounded by other creative people that are yeah. my contemporaries, yeah. which was refreshing. Um, and that fueled that, you know, but but that was a great launching pad. Uh, and I kind of graduated myself. I'm like, 
time to move on and get a studio. And a lot of my friends would go to like New York or LA. Mm -hmm. Um, at the time I went to school on the East coast in Boston and you know, everyone's, yeah, we'll see you in New York or we'll see you in LA or Chicago. And man, the first thing I did, I literally heard like a Chris Rhea song and it was like the, you know, the straw that broke the, you know, it's like needle, whatever it was, whatever metaphor, but it was like, yeah, it was gone to Texas and I'm like, I'm out of here, man. And I knew I could come here and have a, a really great studio um, mm-hmm. to where it wasn't going to like ruin my quality of life, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and sure as shit, I moved here. I lived on Eva behind the Magnolia yeah. with my brother, but had a studio right there on uh, East 5th where that uh, J.R. Reed music building is, where they do all the movie production stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I lived, you know, I had a studio in there and it was like, I think it was $200 a month mm, Nice. and I was a waiter and I literally was traveling. I was going, seeing the world as yeah. a waiter and making art. Whenever I wasn't waiting tables, I was making art. And, uh, and it was kind of like that. You got to work double time to get out of that, you mm. know, and be willing to yeah. just work. You right. know, that's one thing I tell students is like, yeah. Man, if you're gonna be an artist, you know, keep making your art, but you're probably gonna need a job and yeah. and be and be cool with that. Be don't have a complex over that. It's like own it. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah, I have to have a job to pay the bills and I make art and make great art, you know? It's like It seems like you're probably not of the opinion then that artists should have a side job so that they're not putting everything on their art as far as like making a living. Well, I mean, cause there's a kind of two sides to that. People have think, different opinions about that. I think most artists need to have a side job and I think it's totally okay. Yeah. You know, I think, I don't think you have to suffer to make great art. I understand where great art comes from that place. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. And some really great art, come, but it doesn't, you know, I don't think you have to have a miserable life to be a badass artist. Yeah. You know, I'm on this planet this one time here as a human being. And yeah. I want to live a happy life sure. and do do fun things and do other things that aren't about art. You know, I want to have, you know, uh, good experiences outside of that. And some of the greatest artists I know, they're miserable people and mm. they don't leave their house and they're like, you know, but they're great artists, undeniably. Fortunately, I don't know a lot of those people, but I, I do, I can think of a couple, you know, yeah. right now that they're they're almost socially inept, you know, mm-hmm. but they're, they're making great art. But I also know a lot of really great people. Mm-hmm. We all have our issues, but they're, they live a happy life and make great art. You know, and so a choice, or I think it is a choice. I mean, to a certain degree, yeah. How do you want to live your life, and to what degree do you want that creating part become your identity? Mm. Uh, And you know, I think I I, again, I, I my probably my biggest role model is my dad, but because my parents were both artists growing up, they also separated they also were kind of like we were uh like the norman rockwell family yeah i mean we were ironically more normal than all of my friends you know that had like broken families or their parents were bad mouthing their you know the kids were bad mouthing the parents or whatever you know 
we always had love and respect for each other, and I think they made the sacrifices to maintain mm. that normalcy for us, you know. Yeah. And so I appreciated that, you know, and oh, I realized sure. that. But it also didn't get in the way of them doing their shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know? Well, so, yeah, let's talk about so that. Let's talk important. about the beginnings of your life. Like, because uh, you started out in Texas, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? I was born in California. I was born in okay. L.A. Okay. Um, so my parents are both from West Texas. They're from Lubbock. Right. And they were like met in junior high, fell in love their senior year and flipped the coin. They're like L.A. or New York. Oh, wow. Okay. And landed on whatever it was. It was California. So they yeah. headed out to L.A. And and my dad went to art school and mom was real creative, had a radio show. And they mm-hmm. did all these things and kind of made their way back in just a beautiful time to be in California. Mm, like for, in the 60s. For right? art in the 60s. Yeah. And uh, so I was born in 1968 um, and I was born in L.A. And then uh, my dad got a gig teaching third grade in Watts. And then the year after that, we ended up at Berkeley. Mom and dad didn't want to raise us in LA and my dad got a teaching job adjunct or something, Mm -hmm. uh, teaching art at Cal Berkeley. Yeah. So he was there for a couple years. And then by the time I was three, we moved to Fresno. Okay. My dad got offered a, a better teaching job and, I, I always speculate that Fresno really reminded them of Lubbock and they okay. thought it'd be a really good place to raise us. And yeah. it's like two really weird places. Oh, is now. it? Okay. I don't know anything about Fresno. <laughs> but so my brother and I, we grew up in Fresno and I I was there until I graduated high school. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. And uh, so they were busy you know, focusing on their careers, but they were also, my mom more or less was a stay-at-home mom, even if she was an actress and writing plays and going off and doing projects. So. Yeah. But, so we had pretty normal, you know, lived on Fedora Street in a little bungalow house and, you know, like our religion every Sunday was my dad would play records and open the door and the whole neighborhood could hear it cranking. Oh, yeah. and, okay. <laughs> you know, and our house was plastered with art. I mean, it was oh. plastered. And... On any given week or month, there would be guests come to the house, and they were friends of my parents that were usually just amazing artists, you know? Mm. And so I grew up around this environment that was full of creativity, you know? And and it was also this real nurturing environment creatively, you know, which I feel is a real blessing Mm -hmm. to, to never have... just through osmosis to be exposed to a lifestyle like that of love and beauty and passion about what you do and yeah and for there never to be uh like this pressure or you know you have to do this or you have to do that or you have to make money or you have to go to call you know it was always the complete opposite the most important thing is just follow your heart do what you love to do you know be happy you know. So did you start creating art at a young age? Yeah, or? I mean, I always drew pictures. Like I knew, I knew early on. I remember just feeling like I was different. Like in mm. kindergarten, I remember there was some project, and and uh, one of them was like painting. This is some like art competition or something, and I drew like a forest, and I drew hundreds or thousands of little pine trees that mm-hmm. were like 
the size of a thimble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like through this just like obsessive compulsive thing. <laughs> like like mine stood out, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily a good drawer, but it was just like and and that's important, you know. Is like I look back on that. You don't have to be uh, good drawing doesn't mean technically being good. Mm-hmm. It's just like what are you doing with whatever you're doing, you know, yeah. or how are you doing it? You know, it's that makes persistence. it unique, you yeah. know, that makes mm-hmm. whatever you're doing special, you mm-hmm. know? But anyway, I realized, you know, that mine was totally different than everyone else's. And I also got, a, you know, some kind of like attention over yeah. that. And I thought, all right, you know, and then I did this little clay sculpture uh, in kindergarten that was like a hootie owl I don't know if you remember give a hoot don't pollute oh, campaign yeah. you know oh, and yeah. it was big because it was I guess I don't remember what it was but in yeah. California you know like forest fires and camping was big yeah. so that was a yeah. big campaign and I made this hootie owl that was like a foot tall and I was like man this is cool because they gave me extra time and while everyone else was doing classwork they let me Oh, wow. Keep working. I was like, hey, all right, man. But that was about the only, like, spe- you know, then it all ended after that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a wild child. Okay. <laughs> that was the calm years. But we always drew pictures all growing up. We mm. always had, you know, and I re- we'd go to the movies, even when we were in high school, we'd go to the movies as a family, like on a mm. Friday night. It's either Friday or Saturday night. And my brother and I would always come back and we'd go to our rooms right when we got home and draw we just naturally did this Hmm. and it became a thing and then after we'd draw we'd all sit at the dining room table and talk about the movie yeah which was such a cool thing to do and it it just like became this we knew what we we didn't even talk about it we just kind of you know it wasn't always but yeah it's you know looking back on it we did that often and uh and we'd show each other our pictures you know yeah so, um, you know, it was mainly drawing. And then I went off to, uh, after high school, went to L.A. for a year and was actually pursuing acting. Oh, okay. Um, kind of just wasn't my thing, living there. And, you know, mm-hmm. and the whole time I was thinking in the back of my head, I want to go to art school. Yeah. And uh, so then that's kind of ultimately what I ended up doing. Because, you know, I, I was I was living in L.A. And I, what I realized about making visual art and having a studio is the fact that it's immediate. It's something that I can do whenever I want. And I mm-hmm. was doing it like after work, I was drawing or doing whatever yeah. in my apartment and acting. I realized, man, there were so many things. There were so many factors yeah, to so get to that point of being able giving you the opportunity. to act, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was frustrating to me. Um, and I didn't, you know, so like art school and then once i got to art school it was the first time i was in this environment that i was like wow all right here we are this is it now i'm kicking ass yeah you know i i got this you know yeah. and it felt comfortable because in school i know ne- i always felt like for whatever reason just like academic like rules i don't know it's like i've always followed the rules but if they're not worth following why you know i've always yeah. questioned right. things and was never disrespectful, but I was, you know, definitely opinionated and my own person. So, you know, don't try to put me in a cube, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's what schools try to do. They try to put you in a box, whatever school you're in, 
Sure. They're they're in charge and they're trying to put you in a certain box somehow. Exactly. And the beauty about being an artist is, man, there's absolutely no box, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. how I approach creating things, you know. And then you go to school and there's everyone else is kind of of a like mind and yeah. there's like that camaraderie. And yeah. Like, oh, I'm and, not the weirdo or I'm not the odd man out anymore. Like I think it is, yeah, being in an environment where you're with your contemporaries and they're focused, focused number one and mm-hmm. focused on a similar thing or idea. Like they're there for the same reason. Yeah. And there's this collective of like, you know, a bunch of people making art, going through the same struggles that you are. And, yeah. you know, and it was also like a lightning, the ultimate fire under your ass. It's, you know, if, if like when I got there, I realized number one, I like this. Mm-hmm. Number one, I like this. Number two, yeah, I'm going to kick ass. Yeah. You know, and it gave me this great, mm. you know, drive and ambition, you know. And so in that environment, you know, it was, it was, it was in school, it was kind of competitive. It was like everyone's oh, looking yeah. at you and wanting to know what you got and what you can yeah. do. And, and I, man, I took that as almost as a challenge, you yeah. know, and it, it made me, it gave me this incredible work ethic. Oh, is what yeah. I got out of that. You know, it gave me this built-in drive and it also solidified the idea that this is what I want to do. That I love this and I never looked back from from the time I went to art school on. I was always a quote-unquote visual artist for lack yeah. of a better term, you know. Mm-hmm. Make sculptures or drawings or, you know, things that people look at, you know, or you know. So you develop this work ethic and you just realize like you got to do the work to yeah. forward yeah yeah and number one you know uh it's like having good ideas a lot of people have great ideas and and few people actually put those in action you know and i think that's important too yeah why do you think people don't execute their ideas or why why don't they well there's a number of reasons probably one is they're they're probably exhausted and working you know 40 50 hour you know, a week, yeah. nine to five job. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's what happens. I think to a lot of artists early on, they're making art, but they can't make a living. So then they'll go and, you know, work or teach. And, and, and I think it's important to, to not stop making work. If that was your original passion, yeah. um, you know, it and it takes, I think sometimes it takes working double time, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people can't do that. And, you know, I get it. You know, it's like I've taught a couple times and I realize, whoa, man, you know, uh, if I really, if I just taught, I see how you could go down that path and, you know, all of your energies into that and yeah. not have the energy to do your own thing. And you get you know? kind of comfortable with your You get life comfortable and, and you, li- you know, you, you're paying the bills and, you know, there's, you don't, you can settle it. It's easy or, to settle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people settle. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a lot of people settle for mediocrity too. Yeah. Like, you know, there's no real drive or aspiration. And I think it has to do with courage. Mm. I think, I think, you know, you have to put things out there and be willing to, uh, you know, not, not really knowing what the outcome's going to be. But, you know, I say, I have the word that, that resonates with me on a daily basis is faith. Mm. Like I have faith 
in what I'm doing. And yeah. faith and courage are kind of connected. It's like this intangible, you know, that is like you believe in what you're doing enough to go for it and uh, not really concerning yourself on what people are are thinking outside of that, you know? Like, I want to make great art, and my focus is on making something that has its own voice. Like, if I'm dead, this thing yeah, does all the things it's supposed to do, yeah. you know, and uh, can kind of have a voice on its own, you know? But it's a lot of people, I think, number one, they're just tired and, you know, aren't able to work double time to kind of overcome that, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. And then they just don't have the courage, man, to yeah. to go for it. I mean, so you I think you have to go for it. You don't ever have that fear of criticism or being rejected, or I mean, did you ever? I have think that? probably everyone somewhere in there does. You mm-hmm. know, we we all everyone wants to be accepted. Everyone wants to. Yeah. You know, it's like this human nature thing, and I think my confidence comes from kind of my insecurities oh okay you know i think i'm probably overcompensating for being insecure Mm. as a person you know Mm -hmm. maybe yeah i mean i see amazing artists and everything but i don't know i mean i'm genuinely confident Mm -hmm. you know and i think you get that over Mm. years of working you know i wasn't as confident you know uh it was like Early on, I worked and made tons of art and everything, and it was like on the seat of my pants. And the way I was compensating then was being the hardest working artist mm-hmm. at art school. Yeah. You yeah. know, showing up at night, going off to the Marriott, waiting tables, coming back at midnight, working all day, working, work, 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 work. I did a whole series of paintings and postcards called Work, 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 Work. Yeah. And through that process, I think I got better. But I made so much shit when I was young, so yeah. much bad shit. Okay. And at the time, I thought it was great. Well, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I thought I was making good work, and I look back on it. And that's not everyone's experience, because some people, their their earliest work's their best work they ever did, oh. you know? Mm-hmm. But mine, it was just like, you know, it's like, okay, finally, I'm out of the gates, and I think I have a path that I can go down, yeah. you know, to give me some direction. Yeah. And it was like so excitable and, you know. But you had to go through all that work that maybe you don't think is as good anymore to get to where you are now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also to become confident, you know, mm. you st- your work starts to evolve and it's through that process of creating mm. over and over and over and, and that yearning to make better work, you know. And and seeing other, you know, I think it's important to see as much work as you can and see, go to museums and see what's like, you know, and as many books and everything you can see. And that gives you some references, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you go to New York enough times and go through every gallery in Chelsea and go to all the museums and frankly, you see enough shit. Mm hmm. To realize that, feel like I can and do then this. you see the great things that inspire you. It's a combination of both that ah. give you a sense of where you're at. Yeah, your context, your context. Mm-hmm. And so, my feeling and confidence through that context is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. And you have to believe in yourself and what you're doing. And you know, 
I believe in what I'm doing because I'm passionate about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't make apologies either, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's not gonna, uh, it's, it's not going to connect with everyone. Like sometimes I'll make pieces and I'll print them up and they're costing me all this money. And I'm, I know even when I'm printing them, no one's going to buy this, but I know that as an artist, I have to get this off of the camera, off of your computer screen, Yeah. print a large format thing, frame it beautifully, look at it and stare at it. You know, yeah. it's just and like, live with it. Yeah. and live with it and, and probably live with it forever until I yeah. give it to someone. Cause who's going to buy an upside down photo of like, you know, a prison, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which is like the, the latest thing I just printed. I'm like, no one's going to buy these. Well, but they might. They, yeah, but they might. And you never know who gravitates to what. You and that's know. an amazing experience when someone comes in and they, I mean, out of thousands of people, this one person comes in and they connect with that work and yeah. it moves them. And I love that. I, I love that every time. It's like I just sold, I did this uh, like eight foot photograph of a uh, motorhome mm-hmm. in Arizona that had tires on the roof to keep it from wind from blowing, <laughs> yeah. you know. And this woman walked in and she saw it and just like, I have to have that. She's like, I grew up. Our summer cabin home was, a, you know, one of yeah. these trailer homes. And it looked just like this one. Oh, and wow. she she gave me the floor plan and told me the inside of hers. Look, you know, the, yeah. this was where the kids' room was. And there were five of us. We were all piled up. Oh, and wow. Here's the living room. And this was my mom and dad. You know. And I just thought, man, killer, you know. Yeah. And, you know, of course, I gave her a deal on it. And it's like mm-hmm. rock and roll, man. And then she sent me a photograph of it above her couch in her oh, apartment nice. in South Austin. And I'm like, it's beautiful when people connect to the things like that, yeah. you know, and uh, for reasons that are not, you know, their own. Yeah. You know? So I'm wondering when you decided to quit school, like what gave you the courage to do that? Where Where was your work at that time? And then what? Yeah, what was the impetus to do um, that? I went there and I, I didn't have a scholarship. And I knew that the one way I could plow through school was they had this thing called, they had review boards after every semester. Mm-hmm. And then you could apply for a re-review board at your review board okay. and get more credit. Oh, So I literally got two semesters credit for every semester I was at the museum school. Yeah. And... I wor- that's how hard I was working, but that was part of it. It's like the money thing. Yeah. I was like, man, I'm saving, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm cheating myself out of semester of school, but I'm saving a semester's worth of money. Right. It's practical. And yeah. so after a year and a half, I had three years credit, you know, at mm-hmm. the end. And then I think the fourth time they denied me and I was like, I'm out of here. Mm. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> I was ready to go anyway, but there's like, okay, you know, yeah. what do you mean? You can't give me another one. What do you, you know? Yeah. Well, you They're got like, what you needed, right? Got know. what I needed. And uh, so basically at that point, I was starting to question. My my teachers were kind of getting in the way. I mm. was ready to have a studio and make my own art without someone criticizing it or yeah. telling me, you know, you know, what I need to be doing or not doing. Right. And, um, and so I definitely just on my own thought, you know, I don't need school anymore and I'm going to go get a studio somewhere and do my first body of work. And I did this series of like, uh, shadow boxes. Like early on the work was really 
of the hand or kind of look what I can do, drawing and painting, okay. like real kind of like of the hand, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and still real worker, you know, busy and workerly, you know, yeah. if that's a word. But it's like um, – and then it just evolved like to where it got more simplistic and it became more of like – now my stuff is over 30 year span since art school is yeah. more of a symbol. Like it's more totemistic or it's more like objects that are more refined mm-hmm. that are representative of this psychological process, mm-hmm. you know, or warfare or whatever you want to call yeah, it, you know? Right. So, you know, I think the word conceptual is overused, but a lot of the, a lot of the stuff, that I do, I mean, my brain has always just gone 100 miles an hour. And one of the reasons I do work with so many different things is that, it, you know, it's some of them are are striking and yeah. hitting and some of them are just, you know, striking empty. But it's they're always charging, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, here's a, actually a list of the different things that you do. Bronze, sculpture, painting, photography, neon wood, spoken word, music, and theater. Yeah. It's a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like everything, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, one of the things that I really enjoy is um, doing like visiting artist gigs. Mm-hmm. And I, like I did a, a thing at Cal State Fullerton about maybe six, seven years ago. And so I was a visiting artist and they gave me a studio and teaching was very minimal. I just walk with the graduate students and basically just have conversations with them about mm-hmm. their work, which was yeah. great. Yeah. You know, and really good students. And, and man, I got as much out of it as, as hopefully they did. You know, it was just a nice exchange. But, but while I was there, I realized, man, I'm a visiting artist here. So my window is small. I mm. could cause whatever kind of trouble I want. Oh, yeah. And they know I'm leaving anyway, so they'll tolerate it. Yeah. And they're also this infinite resource. So I wrote, I literally wrote a play. They had a theater. So I was like, dude, I'm going to write a play while I'm here and perform it in their theater. Yeah. And they supplied me with like musicians, with, you know, lighting, the theater, you know. And I did a museum show, you know. So I did, I, I did a show and then I had a studio. And did all the sets for the play and wrote, uh, you know, just did all these projects. Mm. And we did a catalog, too. So it's like a book, you know, a play, you know. And, man, that was a great way to work because mm. I realized, man, I'm going to take advantage of the resources that are here. Yeah. And shake yeah. it up as much as I can and just work my ass off. But it's like, you know, you can do all these different things, you know. Why not? Yeah. You know? Why yeah. not? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just, it's inspiring to me just that you think in this way that there's like no limits to what you could do. Like, I don't, I guess I worry about things too much or have fear or I don't know. I just, you know, everything, maybe I'm too much of a perfectionist. Like, I don't know. I struggle with a lot of those things. I think they keep me from playing and experimenting and trying different things. And Yeah. Well, man, I mean, I worry about things too, you know? I mean, I used to be a nail biter, man. Thanks to my wife, Allison, I don't chew my nails anymore. But it's like, (laughs) I mean, I'm, you know, and, you know, I laugh because like I go to dinner and I put a napkin on my, you know, my napkin's always on the floor. Yeah. Because my leg shakes. So (laughs) I'm one of those kids, you know, I couldn't stand still 
And like I said, I think that confidence comes out of that insecurity, you know, but it's like, I think just normal things in life, you know, we're all delicate creatures as humans, you know, but it's like in terms of, yeah, yeah. yeah, In in terms of the work I do, it's kind of like, man, I, everyone can do whatever the hell they want to do. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, no one really gives a shit what you're doing. They're so worried about their own thing, yeah. and worried, you know, in their own world. Exactly. And so I try not to concern myself too much with that or or with people being critical over what I'm doing. Mm. That's fine. I invite it, in fact. It's like that's part of what I do. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'd rather have other people talk about my work than – than this perception that I'm supposed to have like, you know, some kind of PhD as an artist to explain yeah. my art now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm the guy in arts. I'm the guy in school who went to art school because I didn't like the school bullshit. Yeah, right. You know, and now there's this idea that artists have to be super intellectual and that, you know, and I think it's horseshit. You know, yeah. I think, you know, I think you could buy into all of those things. And a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. People buy into all kinds of things. But but I think it's important to have that sense of following your own heart and being passionate about letting that guide you instead of all the other horse shit. Because, you know, yeah. it's easy to get sidetracked with, you know, what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> how important? How important is it for you to have people in your life that support you oh man it's instrumental Mm. and i can't imagine and i know people that you know a lot of artists it seems like they come from that real nurturing creative environment or they come from the complete opposite Mm -hmm. it's almost like there's not a middle ground yeah when i talk to artists you know it's yeah my dad's an artist or yeah my you know my grandfather was a painter, you know, it's like, it's either that or it's like, oh, my dad was a, a scientist and my yeah. mom was a, the librarian or the right. vice principal. I'm kind or, of on that side. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, they just kind of either revolt or, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, so it's, for me, it's been so important mm-hmm. and it's one of the great blessings in my life. Frankly, it's like. To have such a loving, nurturing family mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. I mean, whether you're creative or not, let's, yeah. let's be real. Like, I was born in loving arms, and that's, man, that, that'll get you a long way in life, mm-hmm. you know? And not everyone was. So that's a big one. But then to, to have that support, not just from a loving family, but, you know, to have the freedom and the support um, creatively is mm-hmm. man it's just a win win and and i realize it's a rarity too yeah. you know and so for so that make the i'm most thankful of it, right yeah i mean that's, it's like yeah it must be inspiring and on itself well and sometimes there's a part of me that wants to go get a regular job too you know the grass is greener thing it's like oh. you know there there's being an artist is not easy you know um what in terms of just you about it, it well just the inconsistencies of it yeah. you know i mean you know, it's it's the last thing to come up and the first thing to go in any, you know, economy. Yeah. And luckily, Austin's like, the reason I opened the gallery in Austin when I did, it was kind of timely. Like, I because Austin's like a bubble, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, 
You know, I think even in this last economic bust, I think Austin still, the real estate market was growing yeah, in America, it was. you know? It was. For like lower income, medium homes were actually going up, you yeah. know? Well, and so it's, it's uh, you know, being being an artist is a tough way to make a living, man. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a hardcore gig. It's, it's number one, you're self-employed, but you're self-employed with the most, frankly, you know, messed up business model there is on the history of, you know, prostitution is like a more consistent, I mean, it's it's just bad, you know, it's bad. And uh, there's no real, people think there's a magic formula. People that have not been exposed to the art world think, oh yeah, you have one of these big art dealers. If you have an art dealer and you're in a museum, then you're set, you know, and no, I mean, Mm. it's like, a brutal grind, you know, mm-hmm. and month to month it's, it's very erratic and inconsistent, yeah. you know, just from, you know, paying the bills standpoint, you know? And so I feel like I've been really lucky to be able to sell my work and now as a gallerist, sell other people's work and do what I love to do, you know? And I, I always feel like I've always described it to people as like that I'm being chased by a dragon that's, you know, breathing fire down my ass Mm -hmm. and at any minute it's going to catch me. So there is a sense of desperation, Hmm. you know, no matter, no matter what the, you know, the package looks like. Yeah. It's just this, like, you don't know what's next. It's that weird feeling like you have an art opening and there's all these people there and, you know, you might sell a piece or two and you wake up the next morning and you have like this postpartum kind of vibe. You're just mm. like, now what? And it's like you every time you start over again. Yeah. And that's where it takes energy and courage. Yeah. You have to have the energy to be able to work through that and the courage to continue doing that, mm-hmm. you know? And so whereas I'm confident like the fact that I think it's important to be able to have a job. It's like I had, I waited tables for eight years after art school. Yeah. I had, a, you know, I was married. I had a son. It's like, I was working two or three restaurant jobs and making art and showing. And mm. I was like, that was desperate, you know, but yeah. it's like, there, there, I think that's part of it. That is part of the deal. It's like how you deal with that, how you handle that that sense of the volatility of, of actually selling art for a living, you know? Yeah. And maintaining your integrity as an artist, you know? There's certain things that I do that no one buys, and there's things that I do that are really popular. And the really popular ones, most people are like, why don't you just make shitloads of those? And, and the galleries are like, I want more of those. But you're thinking, you could go that route, but... It's not why you got in this to begin with. You got in this to make art, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and some of it hits and some of it doesn't. And for me, it's like it's a journey moving forward. It's always motion. And and I love that about it. And so I always want to maintain that integrity just creatively to mm-hmm. where I can be creative. Yeah. And if I'm pressing out Tupperware, you know, then 
then that's different. You know, that's but it's different. a balance. And I'm not saying. knocking it, but it's like it's a balance. You can't ignore that people really love some type of work, but you also want to keep pushing the boundaries. Absolutely. On where you're going. So too. it is a balance. You do both. You know, yeah. you you're always appreciative. Like every time I sell a piece of art, every single time I go and celebrate and have a nice meal. Yeah. I sit down like it's like I'm the luckiest person alive. Yeah. Because I am. I am so grateful that people can buy something that I do and want to live with it. Mm-hmm. And like I grew up in a household full of art and there's certain pieces, many of them, but some of which become like, they become like a family member. Yeah. Literally. I mean, they, they become part of your fiber of who you are. Like yeah. We had this barbecue sign and my mom and dad still have it. And I think it's from the fifties and it, it just spells barbecue. Like mm-hmm. in capital letters. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's like, I remember growing up with that in the kitchen. And now mm-hmm. it's in the kitchen of my mom and dad's house in Santa Fe. But in Fresno, that was, our yeah. whole house was red, you know. And we, we, we had that above our little TV and table, you know, barbecue. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it you know, art's great that way because I think it... You know, you could pass it along and it'll be here a lot longer than we are. You yeah, know? And, exactly. So, Well, speaking of your parents, it's pretty inspiring that uh, they've been together this whole time. And yeah, uh, the things that they're still doing, right? Yeah, they're, you know, my folks have been married 55 years. Wow. You know, and they, uh, they're full throttle and they, they make art together, too. They create together, they travel and... Yeah, I saw something, uh, that nice. Covenant show. I saw something about that online. They did a, I don't know how, a few years ago, they did a show together. Yeah, they, I mean, they, a lot of times they do performance pieces, like uh, theater pieces. Yeah. And my mom will act in them, my dad will write them. That's what them, this was. And, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's beautiful because lately, you know, my parents, they're both 75 and they're, man, you can't keep up with them still. Yeah. You know? But, um, there's a piece that my dad did that's at Laguna Gloria that, um, is an old 1953 Chevy mm. and it's a bronze of a Chevy. And the beautiful thing about that piece is that was his first car in high school was a 53 Chevy. Mm-hmm. And it's like this complete full cycle of life going full circle and coming back to that yeah. and then inviting all these artists and friends that he's known to do either a song or a poem or whatever they want of mm. a story about a, an experience in a car. Mm. And so this audio plays and it's the most beautiful piece. And I was looking at my dad and just thinking like, that's the kind of man he is. It's just like, you know, just, real generous in his spirit, but also really aware of mm. that sense of, you know, family and friends. And, yeah, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just everyone, a, yeah. just a beautiful piece, you know, and that's wow. the latest, you know, and it's cool. It's in my hometown. It's in Austin, you know? Yeah. So we've had some, you know, celebration around that piece. And then now I play drums too. And I lately have been playing with my dad and my brother plays keys. So, um, of course, my dad does too, but my brother yeah. will play accordion when my dad plays piano. And we've been gigging with them, and we're doing this annual show now. We just did the second one at the Paramount in yeah. January. So we're going to do that every year. And, man, it's just we played 35 songs 
mm. with a 14-piece band mm-hmm. and rehearse for three days. And everyone would do it for free again and again because it's just, well, with the exception of a couple. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like this real beautiful uh-huh. night, you know. And, and my life has been full of moments like that through my parents, you know, initially. And then through my brother and his world as a musician and mm-hmm. my world as an artist, it's taken me literally all over the world. I've met so many people and it's like this incredible adventure. Mm. And so in many ways, being an artist is suitable for how I want to live my life. Yeah, It's kind of a metaphor for, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, it's yeah. a lifestyle choice and it is a choice, you know. It's cliche, but it's like beautiful and rich in experiences, mm-hmm. you know. And we all like money, and we all need money, you know. And mm-hmm. I wish I had more of it, but <laughs> yeah, right. But the Don't fact is, all? my emphasis and priority is on living a rich life and prioritizing what's what I think is important, yeah. you know. And so that's kind of been uh, what guides me, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. So tell me, maybe tell me about some of the work that you're wa- making right now or like what's kind of like what's really working for you? Right um, I've been doing a lot of photography and I used to be like, I, I used to not be into photography. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know why I used to think it was too easy. Yeah. And, and this is almost without this sounding braggadocious. It's just a feeling that you have like, you know, photography. And I used to feel that way about writing for some reason when mm-hmm. I write songs or poems, it's just real natural. Mm-hmm. which is sad that I don't write more. <laughs> yeah, right. But I started doing photography to accompany these bronze pieces or sculptures, mm. you know. Um, and so I'm telling a story, and it's a great way to make that story kind of bigger, you know. it's yeah. uh, So they're, they're like, uh, the photography is just of different things, but I like seeing in installations – reflections through like the plexiglass of Mm -hmm. the neon or the sculptural pieces. So it's creating more of a rich environment full of content of kind of these themes. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm doing a body work called my America. That Mm -hmm. is, it's basically a survey of all 50 States. And if I'm able to, I'd like to do territories too, but man, it's, it's so daunting, Mm. but it's like a five year body of work. I've been working on this for over two years. Photography. It's photography, it's video, it's site-specific works that Mm. are like rearranging the landscapes or going into abandoned houses and creating like an installation and documenting the before and after. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm. Like I'm excavating uh, highway lines. You know, I'm building a sculpture out of 50 highway lines and putting things in the voids, wow. building a hardwood floor that is like a basketball court where each plank of wood is a native tree from each state. So oh, wow. an American hardwood floor. Yeah. Uh, and then a rock wall that's from River Rock. And ideally, if I find a place to do it, I want to have a representative of every state and each one be a different ethnicity mm-hmm. like you know to come and build the rock wall oh wow and it's going to be low and accessible you'll be able to go over it and gauge some of it's going to be a walkway so it'll be tilted to where it's flat and you can walk on it or through it mm-hmm. and that's wow, these are all very specific ideas like, yeah how did you 
How yeah. do you come up with your ideas? I tell you, man, ideas have never been my problem. Mm. I've always got more than a handful of ideas. In fact, I'll lose a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I do lose a lot of them. Um, but I, it seems like the thing that keeps me going is I'm always at least focused on executing at least one of them mm -hmm. daily. Oh, yeah. You know, whether it's a body of work or what, you know. So the good ones kind of, you know, make the cut and the ones that excite you or whatever, mm. whatever you're feeling at the time, you know. And, and then it's nice. The, the beauty about art is the mystery of it, how you'll have an idea but through that process, you get other ideas. And so it changes the course and the direction that you're going just yeah. by producing it. Well, that makes me you know? think of what you said earlier. It's like you print out this photo that no one might buy and you put it up on the wall and you frame it nicely. That's part of what you're, the process you're talking about. You're living with that work and that'll lead to the next thing, even if that's not the thing. Yeah. It could be the next thing or five things down the road. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, and a lot of times all of those things are come they're all connected. And usually when I'm doing like a large body of work, the photographs, the, nothing's there by mistake. Mm -hmm. You know, and as an artist, mm -hmm. you know, we have what I love about being a quote-unquote visual artist and working in my studio is that like we can I can take the time to execute and have the work say what I want it to say, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I could take as much time as I need, Yeah, you know, in other things it's more, and I think writers are the same way. You mm -hmm. get writer's block or they get on a roll or whatever. It's, it's a certain pace that is dictated by the writer, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so visual arts the same way where I come into my studio and, and if it's not right, you just work on it until you make it right. Or you can abandon that yeah. altogether, but but it's like I, I I had this revelation in talking politics years ago during the Bush administration, and it was so heated, and I know it's heated now, man, but it was heated then, and yeah. it was uh, it just con conversation, not being able to articulate a thought or say exactly what I wanted to say on the fly, mm -hmm. and then leaving the conversation going thinking of what I should have said, yeah. And so I did a body of work about war called Empire that that I was able to take that feeling and channel mm. it all into that work and literally just execute every thought like mm. to perfection wow. through the work I was doing. And it was like such a revelation as an mm. artist. It really kind of gave me this total clarity in the work and 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 it also gave me this weird channeling ability mm -hmm. like i was so there was such a resolve in that feeling that the work just came to me i mean it came mm. and everything sometimes you're in this magic place that everything you touch or do is golden like yeah. you know and when you're in that zone man you roll with it because like you know how state. precious it is yeah. you know mm -hmm. it doesn't always wow. happen <laughs> yeah. no, I wouldn't but think this so. is one of those times where all the work i did and and this is some of it up here these these molten stars that yeah that's all 50 stars from the american flag but i went to germany and did a residency over there and had a huge show to do and i had as a three-month residency and I committed to doing two weeks of it because I had had my kids in school and everything. I'm like, 
no, I don't want to be away. So I went the two weeks before the show and was going to bring a bunch of art and decided, no, I'm not going to bring anything. And this mm. was about the time, this was the beginning of the, the Iraq war, the Bush yeah. administration post right after nine 11. And, uh, I went over there with nothing, man, and just with the idea that I'm just going to... Cre- some courage. I'm going to create, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> yeah. But the environment, being in Germany as an American, mm-hmm. it was just, for me, it's it reeked of war. Yeah. You know, it's World War II, and just thinking of, like, seeing Auschwitz and all that, being in East Germany, it was so bizarre, and seeing yeah. old photographs. And it was dreary. It was, like, dark every day, overcast, mm. and... And man, that first day I did like 10 pieces. Mm. I showed up at the studio and I walked around and started picking up like pieces of wood. And it was that was the beginning of it. It's like everything I saw had this, I was like, wow. I mean, that's stunning. And mm-hmm. I took all these components and just did these assemblages, mm-hmm. these little assemblages. And I realized where they were coming from. They were coming from that just energy of that that war yeah. you know and then the place where i was that was riddled with the history of another one mm. and and so that kind of gave me this clarity and this guidance and and from that if you're in that headspace you your your brain and your eyes just filter everything else out and they go to where you're wanting to go if you're mm. like honed in on it yeah and so somehow i managed to to do what 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 I thought was some of the best work I've ever done, mm. and I left it there, and it was all it was all just found objects and just arranging things together and thinking about certain ideas, yeah. you know, like a brick that had these drilled holes in it and putting little sticks in them, and mm-hmm. how each one it was like literally a brick that had a hundred holes in the top of it, mm-hmm. and I put these little hand carved sticks in each one. And how each one of them represented a different person from the Holocaust. And oh, wow. It's like, but just all of this work just came together. You know? Yeah. And anyway. Yeah. Was, wow. I well, like that, it when that happens. Like yeah. That. I, geez, I can imagine. I mean, as much as that work was very specific about the place and the time, I'm wondering if there's like a, a truth overall that you're trying to share. Um, I think probably the biggest truth, it's really probably is in the work i think be true to the work Mm. and not be not really of yourself it's like the idea of losing yourself to the point to where Mm. you're true to the point to where you're not getting in the way you know i mean i for me my biggest focus and why i'm confident in what i do is because I try to focus on on uh, on the art itself and make that the main emphasis, you know, mm-hmm. for better or worse at any cost. Like, whatever I'm working on, I want it to be great. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if it makes me famous or if I sell it or whatever accolades or whatever horse shit that a lot of, you know, I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't interest me. What interests me is, I mean, getting that feeling that something you've done is complete and is really 
moving or great or doing its job, you know? So, so for me, I mean, the biggest message that I would say to any young artist or aspiring artist is, is be true to the work, do it with heart and conviction and without compromise. Just Mm -hmm. do not compromise on the work. You don't need to. That's not why we become artists. You know, I think great art doesn't, I don't know. I don't know what great art is, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, the way I judge art is when I see it, it, do I ignore it or does it get my attention, first of all? Mm-hmm. And if it gets my attention, does it engage me enough to make me want to stop? You know? Yeah. And, you know, you know it. We all know it just what we gravitate to. And we all gravitate to different things. There's no, there is no right or wrong, you know? Yeah. there There really isn't. And it's not my place really to judge, but. I am opinionated and I kind of use my own barometer of like, that's kind of how I judge art. It's like, you know, you walk into gallery after gallery and some shit gets your attention. Some doesn't. Yeah. And sometimes even bad art can be inspiring. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like some people miss the mark so bad. You're just like, it's so hideous. It makes an impression. on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You think about it, you yeah. know, you think about it. So that's one thing that art can do is be thought provoking mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad you yeah. know so i don't think to be a you know <laughs> a critic you yeah. know and anyway <laughs> well i think that that would be um, a good way to go into the gallery and that you host artists here so that's directly like you're you're picking artists to show their work here because you like their work or it moves yeah you. like tell me about the gallery absolutely you know I think the, the the way the gallery runs, uh, I've done 10 shows now. It's been almost two years, two mm-hmm. years in March. And I've just, I've been fortunate enough to be exposed to art my whole life. And a lot of these people, originally it was the idea that I want to show some of the people that influenced me. Mm. And they're of a, like my parents' generation, like in their 70s and 80s. Or yeah. A lot of them aren't around anymore. And some of them aren't that I would, would have loved to have shown. Yeah. You know? And so I'm asking these artists that I love to, if they want to come to Austin and do show. And I have like a list of 40 artists. Mm-hmm. You know, And uh, so far, a lot of them have wanted to do it. Yeah. And I've brought them here, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and then I'm working with a younger generation. Like mm-hmm. the show I have up now is um, Will Squibb and Malou Byrne and mm-hmm. and they're uh, they live together. They both independently make art, uh, really creative, uh, come from real creative backgrounds and they're more of a millennial generation, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of like, I'm 50 years old this year and they're in the early thirties. You yeah. know? And, um, so it's interesting seeing that work, but they're coming from this same, uh, creative background that I came from. We're rich in like their parents and grandparents are artists, you know? Yeah. So they kind of, it's, it's, there's that connection. And like I did a show with Eddie Roucher, who's Ed Roucher's son. Mm, And he's actually my contemporary. And it's really nice 
Because a lot of the artists I know and have talked to and shown with have been a different generation, older generation, Mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, And it's always refreshing for me to get to hang out with and and work with people that are my age. Yeah. And now younger. I'm kind of right in the middle now. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. I'm actually. (laughs) You know, I went and I, I went and taught school to high school kids, and I realized every reference I had. None of them knew what the hell I was talking yeah. about. And I realized, oh my God, I'm, I am definitely old. And I'm not at all freaking cool, man. I'm just like, they're rolling their eyes, sleeping. I'm just like, man, this is challenging. Yeah, right. Wow. But with the gallery, you know, from a personal standpoint, um, I have been exposed to a lot of art. And I've been fortunate enough to know a lot of these people that have influenced me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going directly to them and saying, man, you guys, you want to do a show? Let's do a badass show. Yeah. And I see great, there's a lot, I could never show all the work that I want to show. There's mm-hmm. so many, there's great local artists here, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I'm gallerist second, working artist first. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a gallery that's run by an artist. I'm not like, I'm not, the snobby gallery or I'm not the gallery that has a full-time staff or a secretary, you know, it's so it's by appointment only. We focus on just doing great shows, showing great art. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm bringing, I'm bringing 90% of the artists from out of state, you know? Uh, so I'm, I'm exposing Austin to what I think is great contemporary art. And I think it's really good time in Austin. I had a gallery at Flatbed called Gallery 68 in the 90s. Okay. And that was a great experience and had a great run. Um, But I'm doing it differently now. It's like I'm more prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Then it got in the way of doing my own work and Mm. focus on my career, per se. And so I quit doing it. And and now I'm in a, a... just I actually miss curating and working with other people and I mm. fantasize about having an art center and just focusing on that and just doing this amazing like museum or art center. Yeah. And so at the gallery I can have like a taste of that. Mini. Yeah. You know? Mm. And uh and you know, it, it's four hundred square feet. I've got three nineteen foot walls and one nineteen foot glass wall that's like a fish tank. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing I realized in having a gallery in the '90s is is man, you could pack a lot of punch with a small space, mm. and it's actually easier to to get people, great people that have you know that are are busy or you know have their their shows booked for three four years in advance, you know. Yeah. To get them to be able to do a show, it's, you know, when you could put one piece and light it properly and it'll look badass in that space. Mm-hmm. Or you could do parlor style, like I did with Jim Roach, which is like 30 pieces, you know, plastering the wall, you know? Yeah. So you can really do a lot with a small space and it's manageable. It's more manageable for shipping. It's more cost effective, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not as daunting. So people are like, yeah, I, I can do that. You know, yeah. So. I mean, there's it's it's unique in Austin, I think, because of the national and international kind of people that you bring in. Yeah, and I think Austin, there's so many wealthy people here now. There's mm-hmm. like uh, the microchip people and all that whole silicone yeah. thing, you know. And it's you know we're the eleventh biggest city in America, which shocked me. But mm. 
We are. We Googled it the other day. Wow, okay. New York. We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but um, and and there are a lot of people that have a lot of good taste that you know, arguably, <laughs> yeah. but they have money, nice cars, nice clothes, nice houses, but they've never been exposed to art and don't really, for no fault of their own, but they don't know how great that would be and to to start collecting and make that yeah. a part of their you know, that's a huge who challenge. they are. That's a huge challenge, I think, to try to get people into art. Yeah, into collecting art, like real art. It is, but the upside to Austin is that th- there is a lot of opportunities there. Yeah, and and that is the challenge. That's the challenge, and mm. that's also why it's timely. Yeah, I think because we're thriving as an economy, and there's so many new people here, and and when it works, so and it is, it's working. I'm actually selling art. I've I've sold art at every show. I'm not going to curse myself, you know, and yeah. wouldn't be surprised if I don't, you know, but it's um the beautiful thing is I'm I'm paying the rent and making money. Mm-hmm. And I'm also placing a lot of this work with people and I have several collectors that are literally buying one piece from every show. Mhm. That's I shouldn't nice. even say several. There's two in particular I know. Yeah. And several that have repeat customers. Yeah. And they are really, frankly, they're going to have the most badass art collection. I mean, yeah, the sure. people that I'm showing, I think if you had, of the 10 shows I've done, if you have one of each of those pieces, that's a pretty strong contemporary art collection. Yeah. And a wide range of mediums, a wide range of ages, uh, you know, regions. Mm-hmm. So how do you get these new people in and how do you get them past their intimidation of like, oh, I don't know art or I don't understand art or I don't know what to buy or. Yeah, I don't think it's as intimidating. I think it it's more of a casual environment and intimidating is when you walk into New York and you're ignored yeah. by the front desk and, yeah. you know, it's like this cavernous museum looking sterile environment, mm-hmm. you know. That's intimidating, yeah. but Austin and I don't. I don't want to be intimidating. It's like the openings are inviting. There's free booze, you know. We got tequila, mezcal, whiskey, whatever. Yeah. And people come in, and it, there's usually creative people that are easygoing, and it's not pretentious. I don't, you know, I don't mm. want it to be. No, no. But so the intimidation thing is, I think that puts people at ease the nature mm-hmm. of the gallery and just that it's approachable and yeah. and frankly that i try to be approachable you know it's about seeing art and talking about her curiosity and it's you know yeah. and i think every art museum and gallery should be about that you yeah, know absolutely uh for everyone and not just people that there's the majority of people that want to come to your gallery are not going to buy art yeah so Treat them right, man. Give them free booze and food and come on in and have a party and get exposed to it. And then if they do that enough times, they're, it's it's going to rub off on them, mm, you know? Yeah. And I think it's just word of mouth kind of thing. I've been in Austin since 91. And like I started just having a Facebook page, um, which I did late. I mean, I only did Facebook recently. And it, that was effective way to just kind of network, but word of mouth, you know? And uh and it's, I think it's just people know now, uh, at least enough people, mm-hmm. when they know there's an opening, they're going to trust that they're going to see interesting work. Yeah. 
whether they like it or not. I don't know. There's always quite a buzz around your openings, I feel like. I mean, I feel like, you know, it's kind of like when it's happening, it's the place to be. Everyone wants to be in the Yeah, gallery. I appreciate that. And that we're trying to create that. We're yeah. definitely trying to create a buzz. And because I want people to come out and see it. I mean, it's like visual art is meant to be seen. That's why it's yeah. called visual art. Right. The more people that see it, the better. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if anyone who's listening, anytime there's an opening, man come out, you know, come out and see what's going on. And all the openings I have the artists come to, Mm -hmm. and it's incredible. These are incredible people Mm -hmm. for one reason or another. You know, it seems like thus far, there's this connection between, you know, great artists and the people that are making it are great people that are really interesting too. Yeah. So they're making interesting art. And they usually go hand in hand, but not always. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've met some pricks that make really good art, too. It's just like life. But not many. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Anyway. So uh, what does this coming year look like as far as artists that you're going to have? And uh, where do people find out about the openings, too? Yeah, well, first of all, the website is baylecreekallengallery.com. Okay. And um, got all the artists, and as I add artists, I add them to the site. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can see kind of a history of things we've done there. This year's really exciting. I've got the show I have up currently is Will Squibb Malou Byrne from New York. Um, And she's she's, uh, mostly does jewelry and has this beautiful little... display box and it's just exquisitely beautiful little piece Mm -hmm. and then he does these uh he takes like medium format negatives and cuts them with an exacto knife and like makes these kind of totem looking collages yeah Yeah, they're beautiful they're like light boxes and uh so there's 30 of those in the gallery right now and Mm -hmm. they're just stunning and each one is a different place around the world from his travels a lot Mm. of asia thailand and some mexico and then in the u.s Mm -hmm. and they're beautiful um so that's the current show then in april i've got an opening a late april i think it's on the 27th but it's actually my mom yeah it's uh it's photographs from a body of work she did called the beautiful waitress in the 70s she photographed with like k1000 pintex camera Mm -hmm. just black and white she interviewed truck stop waitresses and she became a waitress herself and like character doing research yeah. photographed all of these women and these cafes. And it's just, they're going to be uh, probably 10 or so, maybe a little less of large format, black and white photographs from mm-hmm. the seventies. And then, um, Actually like she watched. did a play. She did a play oh. in diners and cafeterias like, or, you know, truck stops, called the beautiful waitress where she was behind the counter and the audience would come in the diner and it was so cool that's so creative i actually watched an interview with her and she was talking she told this super moving story about getting to know these waitresses outside of work and their real life and how hard life was for some of them is really moving oh man and it's incredible that she did yeah i mean i just Wow. It was pretty beautiful, and and just the lives, how every life out there has a story. Yeah, yeah. And she kind of took that idea, and it was just like mind-boggling. Yeah. Like the 
these women's quotes and and where they came from and man it's intense and she wrote something too yeah she she wrote a a whole play called the beautiful yeah right right or counter angel yeah Mm -hmm. so that show's coming up and then following that um i'm actually going to do a show with bob schneider oh nice who's local and i don't do a lot of local shows but he uh he did these beautiful wood sculptures and mm. literally we're just going to do an installation in the middle of the gallery with some steady drawing supporting it. Nice. So I've kind of curated that and, um, I've seen his work over at flatbed. S- yeah. Yeah. And I love like some of those early etchings that he does too. Mm-hmm. And, and he's really becoming a better painter. He's working his ass off and really trying to, you know, he's, he's taking classes and he just went to Anderson ranch and, you know, mm. he's, he, Bob's just incredibly creative. You know, he's incredibly creative and, and he, you know, we've, we've had this conversation. We have similarities that like, we have to work, Yeah, you know, like his identity, he's convinced that as a person, he wouldn't be able to cut it if he didn't create. Yeah. Creating is his escape and has become his identity, you know? And I think a lot of artists can relate to that. I think so. But I think this will be a really strong show, and it'll be different from anything he's ever shown. Mm. Um, so we're doing that, and uh, and then I've got an artist named Nick Nicosia from mm-hmm. Dallas, who maybe in the seventies uh, he was one of the most influential photographers, probably in mm. the world of like stage photography. Yeah, kind of like comparable to like Annie Leibovitz where it was you know he would cre- put people in these settings that were like just yeah. uh manipulated by him like but they looked real yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um so he's working on some sculpture and he's doing something at the Austin Contemporary for the sculpture park at uh, Laguna Gloria oh nice and we're going to try to time it around the same time and maybe do like a a joint thing yeah and then I also have Kiki Smith from New York, mm. who is like one of my favorite artists. Um, and, you know, just super excited. And that'll yeah. be in September. Okay. So, and then Darden Smith, who lives here, who's a musician. We're doing a pop-up show, just a one-night event uh, towards the end of the year. He's doing a book with uh, DJ Stout. Mm. Um, and it's of like his travels photographs and like drawings like little pencil drawings and paintings Mm -hmm. and uh people that have influenced him but it'll be a real beautiful book so for the book opening we're going to do a a one night event of maybe 30 of his works Mm -hmm. on the walls and so i'm doing some like pop-up shows like that you know uh just to to work with people that i I think are really great, but to not do a full on show, I just don't have time to do that. Yeah. So it's like, I'm open to the idea of working with people, you know, one or two days just to, to have an opening and give them a place to show the work, you know? Um, and that's it for this year. And then next year, it's like they're starting to line up. So just it's keep just, working on your real, list of 40. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got another a woman named Shelly Tolman, and we've talked and we're going to do a show. And she's from South Africa. I went to art school with her, and she was unbelievable painter in school. Like mm-hmm. everyone's just kind of blown away by her yeah. talent. And she grew up in South Africa and was surrounded by. Uh, you know, it was real segregated. And mm-hmm. when she moved 
to Boston to go to the museum school. She lived in Jamaican Plains, surrounded by African American, yeah, you know, environment, culture, everything. And her paintings were about that, real racially charged and kind of about segregation and all that. Yeah. And uh, so she's doing a show. We're going to curate something, or I might have her curate it, of all women artists from L.A. that are mm. doing really great stuff. Wow. So that's, that's probably in January, February of the following year. You cool. Know? But so anyway. it's easy. It's pretty easy for someone if they want to call up and make an appointment and come by. It's Absolutely. not a big deal at all. And come by anyway, you know, if you're at the coffee shop or at Canopy, you know, and my door will probably be locked, but um, if the lights are on, knock on the door, you know, or yeah. or call me through the gallery number, you know. It's, it's by appointment only, and that's not meant to turn people away. It's just, you know, as a working artist, my studio is behind the gallery, so mm -hmm. during the week, I just keep it closed. If people want to see it, man, I'll come out there a hundred times if I have to, Yeah, you know. And show people if they're there to see it. But, you know, it's it's so I can do my work without yeah. being totally distracted. So yeah. anyone who calls, man, I'll, I'll meet them down here for sure. Okay, you wonderful. Know? Well, wow, this has been so – you've said so many inspiring things. I really – Man, really I appreciate, appreciate it. it. I hope I haven't had, like we talked about, too much coffee. <laughs> no, it was perfect. It was perfect. It was I guess really... on radio it's okay to talk too much, but probably not. I don't wow, know. It's fine. <laughs> no, yeah, there's no man. talking too much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider sharing it with anyone that you think might get value from it. And also, consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Be sure to check out the links in the show notes at the bottom of the webpage for each episode, or also by tapping the Square Austin Art Talk logo graphic on your phone within the podcast app to discover more info related to my guests, their work, and many of the things we mention and talk about in the episode. Please don't hesitate to share any feedback so that I can continue to improve what I'm creating and make it more useful to you. Thanks again for your time and take care.